Hello, and welcome to the Frontier Strategy Group podcast series. FSG is the leading information and advisory services partner for emerging market executives. We partner with business leaders at over 220 multinationals by providing them with information assets, advisory support, and consulting services that help inform and power their emerging market growth strategy. The focus of today's podcast is our recently published report on how multinational corporations should be adjusting their value proposition in the GCC. My name is Richard Leggett, and I'm the CEO of Frontier Strategy Group, and I'm joined today from FSG's London office by Zeynep Kosorisalu, the leader of FSG's MENA research practice. As a reminder, this research that we'll talk about today and all of our content is available to FSG clients via our Frontier View platform. If you are not a client, you can purchase the report via FSG's eStore, which is available on our website. Zeynep, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Richard. It's great to be here. It's good to be back together, and we have a lot to cover, so let me do a little bit of table setting, and then, uh, and then we'll get right into it. Um, so in, in the report that we've recently published, you are calling clients to update their long-term assumptions about the Gulf Cooperation Council countries, which are Saudi Arabia, the UAE, Qatar, Oman, Bahrain, and Kuwait. And you're suggesting that they integrate the long-term and structural changes in these markets to their business strategy. So we're at a very important moment. We're expecting customer behavior, whether it's governments, businesses, or consumers, to change pretty substantially over the coming years, and we believe that multinationals should begin adjusting their business model and value proposition accordingly if they'd like to maintain, if not win, market share in the GCC's increasingly challenging environment. This is a very important and previously highly reliable region for our clients, and I'd like to focus on some of the key changes in this discussion that we're going to be facing in the GCC. So I want to start, Zainab, with how the region is changing in the long term. Um, The GCC is one of the most wealthy and opportune regions in the EMEA region. Uh, However, with the drop in oil prices, the region and along with it, our clients have significantly struggled. And I just want to put some numbers on it uh, just for perspective. From 2000 to 2014, the GDP growth for the region was 5.5% on average. And over the next 10 years, uh, it's essentially being cut in half to around 2.6, 2.7. So pretty substantial. And yet most of our clients are still relying on uh, Saudi Arabia especially, but the UAE and Qatar to remain lucrative and profitable markets in the future. And so the question is, should they expect the region to recover soon? How does the long term look like for our clients in this region? Uh, yes, exactly as you said, Rich, the GCC has been a very important region for multinational companies, especially in their emerging um, EMEA portfolio. It has grown strongly, it provided good margins for our clients, and it is relatively stable and predictable, uh, if not slow moving, in the past decade. So um, since the oil price crash, um, you mentioned some of the numbers, um, we have definitely seen the outlook for these markets changing. Um, we're going to see growth. Um, uh, slowing down, but we're also going to see the operating environment uh, looking quite different over the next uh, decade. Um, And the key here um, is to understand that these changes are structural and for the long term. So yes, we believe that um, the region still will provide quite a bit of opportunity uh, and our clients and multinational companies should rely on these markets for um, finding good opportunities, but um, we're going to be seeing quite an important slowdown in the growth of these economies from government spending figures to gross domestic investment figures to consumer spending. All aspects of the economy are going to be slowing down um, from their past uh, averages in the last decade uh, when we compare them to the future. 
I was going to say we can maybe dig in on, on each of those. Just to, again, I, I gave the headline GDP numbers, but let's break down. So government spending, uh, you know, for that same time period historically to what it's going to be prospectively. Uh, what, what will that be? Mm-hmm. I think we're looking at um, the, the figures themselves will uh, tell the story, as you said. Uh, we're looking at government spending coming down from around 8% in the last decade to around 3% of, uh, by around 2022. Um, if we look at investments, they're coming down from around 10% down to 4%, um, and consumer spending coming down from around 6% to 3%. So um, this is just showing us that we can't be relying on previous strategies to be capturing uh, almost uh, kind of growth coming down to almost half the levels that it was previously. And in addition to just the growth slowing down, you also highlight that there's going to be a more challenging mm-hmm. operating environment, and specifically taxes, operating costs, and complexity of doing business, and localization pressures. Yes, exactly. Beyond just the growth story, um, we will be seeing the operating environment change. Uh, despite the slowdown, um, as we mentioned, most of our clients, most uh, most national companies are still relying on this region and are maintaining their investments into these markets. So the environment is going to become much more competitive. The pie is going to be shrinking, but the interest uh, is not declining. Uh, customer behavior will change with all of the changes that are happening in the regulatory environment uh, and even the political environment. And then, of course, as you mentioned, we'll, we'll be looking at higher taxes, uh, more volatile operating costs as subsidies are removed, and much tougher localization pressures for sure. So, so Zinik, obviously, th- these are very drastic figures. What, what's driving the fundamental shifts in both growth and operating environment from your perspective? Um, so, the first, of course, is this outlook for sustained um, low oil prices uh, in the in near future. The fact that not only have we seen oil prices come down, but these governments in the region have accepted that they're not going to be picking up to um, around $80 to $90 per barrel anytime soon. So, first of all, we're losing quite an important revenue stream for the governments who have been instrumental in driving growth across the economy uh, over the past decade. So that's number one, and that's a reality at FSG we also um, accept as well in terms of uh, sustained outlook for the oil prices. Um, but the second is, of course, what these governments are doing about this reality, and that is that they are being very committed to especially a fiscal reform agenda, which has ripple effects throughout the economy, a lot of regulatory change and a lot of, um, uh, kind of mindset uh, shift in the public sector, and our clients uh, and a lot of companies may be suspicious of these uh, fiscal reform plans, but the urgency has never been higher. Okay, and you, uh, so despite all of that, uh, you still believe that there's opportunities for growth and, and that, there, that, that our clients uh, need to be mobilized to capture these opportunities. Um, I wanted to get into where those opportunities are and the strategies, but before that, just you know, a skeptical question: Why, why should if I'm a if I'm an EMEA executive or if I am a uh, a global uh, responsible for a global portfolio, why why should I still prioritize this region, which now starts to feel a little bit like all the others in terms of the growth uh, trajectory? Uh, wh- wh- why this one? Exactly. There's quite a lot of problems that have been experienced in the last um, two years, but uh, the GCC is uh, still one of the most attractive regions, uh, at least within uh, EMEA, and that's because, first of all, it has one of the highest GDP per capita levels, still very, very wealthy economies. Um, They still have, despite the slowdown figures that we've talked about, they still have the largest amount of absolute government uh, spending, public sector spending, and investment levels um, after the Eurozone in EMEA. 
Um, and regardless, for example, of the Qatar crisis we've seen recently, politically it is one of the most stable regions uh, in this part of the world. So that's number one. But also when you compare it to um, other countries in this region, growth is actually muted across the world. Um, right, if you look at some of the key markets in India, Russia, Turkey, South Africa are also struggling, as well as a few key markets in Latin America. Um, and of course, uh, not comparable really, but even uh, the growth we're seeing in China is also slowing down. Plus, of course, we'll be seeing uh, new opportunities emerge in this region as well. Yeah, I was going to make the point just on, on China slowing down, um, sim similar in the sense that, you know, s slow, slower growth and also tougher operating environment for some of the, the, the same issues in terms of localization pressures and those types of things. So let's talk about the, the new, new opportunities that you mentioned that, that will emerge. Where, where, are you, where are you seeing them at the headline level? Well, first of all, uh, we're always focusing on, and we'll uh, talk about them if necessary later, but uh, a lot of subsidy cuts and tax hikes that are uh, taking place in this environment. Um, now, of course, in the short term, they're quite negative, uh, especially for multinationals, but the whole point of this is for the uh, governments to have more resources that they can allocate to a much more productive sector. So we'll definitely be seeing the government uh, reallocate resources to uh, infrastructure spending, healthcare, education, um, new energy um, sectors, uh, and uh, maintain their um, uh, investments into uh, construction and infrastructure over the next few years. Um, so we will definitely have more public funds available for investments. And they will be focused also on kind of new um, sectors they haven't invested before, for example, the military production in, in, in Saudi Arabia. But also we'll see the private sector expanding. The economies here have been dominated quite a lot with the public sector um, in the past, but we'll definitely be seeing more privatizations, um, or already seeing interest going uh, from companies going into this region, um, and also local investors over the next three to five years will accelerate their investments um, as incentives also um, arise. And um, while consumers are facing quite a few challenges in the next one to two years, they will definitely be adjusting uh, over the next three to five years to some of the initial difficult reforms because actually com when you compare it to the rest of the world, the consumers in this region are experiencing one of the most gradual and least painful version of reforms um, that you can see um, recently. Got it. Um, and I believe, um, but but I just want to confirm, because I think you said it at the outset, but I just want to uh, confirm um, maybe with some, some of your recent discussions with clients that our, our FSG clients are, are remaining very committed to this market, if not in, in incrementally investing. Yes, for sure. Um, despite all of the challenges, uh, these are the key markets for many multinationals in EMEA. Uh, our conversations, uh, as you mentioned, with clients, but also um, a lot of the live polling uh, results that uh, have come out of our um, events in Dubai and London this year have shown that there's clear commitment and interest in investing in this region, especially in Saudi Arabia and the UAE. So the competitive pressures are definitely on. All right, let's shift to some, some action plans and some, some, some tactics to, to be successful. Considering uh, the backdrop, rising costs, lower growth in demand, and heightening competition, uh, if you're a multinational, you have a tough task in remaining competitive while also uh, achieving your revenue growth and your margin targets. So what, what shifts in strategy should our clients start thinking about making for GCC? 
Well, the macroeconomic changes are quite structural uh, in this region, and there's a lot that is changing. Uh, so I think um, there's also a need for evaluating um, the value offering and the entire business model from our client's perspective towards this region. Now, of course, this sounds quite big, um, but um, also the changes in this region are quite big. When you look at um, especially how these um, regulatory changes, uh, mindset changes of these governments are actually rippling through into the rest of the um, uh, country and the rest of the economy, uh, especially how customers behave, whether they are governments, businesses, or consumers, will be very um, uh, much evolving, and this will be very important for our clients to capture. Um, governments will, for example, be focusing more on savings, on creating more efficiencies, and actually making sure they provide the largest uh, social impact possible with the um, uh, smallest kind of investments they can make. Businesses will focus more on profitability concerns and creating differentiated solutions, whereas consumers will find durability and low cost um, much more valuable, of course, still remaining to be enforced by global trends. Now, you might think that these are actually very um, general um, trends and kind of um, themes that we see in the rest of the world, which is true. However, they are very new to the GCC. Um, they are very new value ideas for the customers here. So the way um, how the local teams, especially local partners in this country, um, understand and capture these changes in the customer behavior and then reintegrate it back into the strategy, uh, whether it's in terms of the finance team and how they approach new investments, whether it is how we organize a sales force in this market or adapt the product portfolio, all of that has to be reevaluated to uh, understand and integrate some of the key and structural changes in customer behavior. So it's a, it's a pretty substantial undertaking, and I guess, are, are you seeing companies proactively thinking about this, or are they, are they in reactive mode right now? That, is, that really depends, but I think most companies, um, most uh, executives, uh, especially locally based, have a uh, founded bias that uh, change happens quite slowly, and not much change happens in this region. So this has kept... Uh, quite a few executives um, or companies complacent, uh, and especially as we've seen um, an uptick in oil prices. But um, those companies that are ahead of the curve a little bit and, are, and can see that the GCC, the transformation that the GCC is going through is a very big one, they have started to transform their business as well. Um, because if not, they know they will lose the market share in the next three to five years. Um, and, of course, the whole evaluation has to happen uh, across all functions um, uh, in terms of how all functions relate to the GCT, but the improvements to execution may actually be um, quite minimal, depending on where the business needs the most uh, critical um, and urgent change. Um, and we all, you've mentioned our, our report in the beginning of, the, uh, of our recording. We have a uh, brief diagnostic in the report to help our clients determine where in their business they may need those incremental improvements. Um, and I think we're seeing um, quite a few uh, companies that are very much committed to this region take very significant action. Yeah, in, in the report, I think what, what's fantastic is uh, when we talk about the areas uh, for strategic adjustment, there, you, re you really go through in, in some level of detail eight different areas which are really tied to uh, the various functions of, of, of a business that holistically, um, you know, when put together have to, have to function uh, as, as, as one. And so you, you kind of break it down nicely in these, across these eight areas, uh, areas like strategy, marketing, finance, government engagement, sales, 
uh, channel management and those types of things. Um, we don't have time, obviously, uh, to go through all of these eight areas and, and all of the adjustments that are detailed in, in the report, which is quite comprehensive. But I thought maybe we could maybe, let's say, pick two that we can highlight. Um, and in each of these, you also give some, some really good case studies and examples. So maybe, maybe could you give us an example of a strategy uh, adjustment uh, from, uh, from the research that you've done? Of course. Um, first, uh, strategy is a good one to start with because it is the broader um, kind of uh, outlook that a company uh, will want to shift towards this region to maintain capturing some of the opportunities there. Um, we've spoken to one um, construction firm um, uh, throughout uh, this research and they've of course, uh, anyone who has uh, been in Saudi Arabia uh, or has had any business uh, related to Saudi Arabia in the last two years will uh, know that they, the construction industry has been under significant pressure. Um, very, very difficult times for them. Um, they've definitely experienced an immediate uh, and very kind of lasting uh, halt to um, uh, demand and government, especially from the public sector. And, um, and this uh, construction company, again, uh, very similar to others, has been facing the challenge of uh, finding opportunities, but also maintaining some of their existing projects. So what they've done is uh, they've had to re kind of uh, navigate their strategy a little bit. And they've divided that strategy into, of course, the medium-term solution that they need to uh, find and also a long-term solution that they need to find to maintain competitive in this environment. Um, now, from a medium-term perspective, uh, what they've done is uh, if they were allocating a lot of, um, let's say, an even amount of attention and resources um, and kind of project management to their existing five clients, what they've seen is they're facing a lot of payment delays, even sometimes uh, for some clients, just a lack of hope that they will get paid uh, anytime soon. So what they've done is really pick the one client that they know has uh, any sort of funding, um, really um, focusing on that client, which is um, in their case Aramco, uh, and putting all of their attention and resources to servicing that client. So uh, picking where the CUN um, and, and SCARF resources are being uh, directed towards is going to be very important for our clients in the short term. And in the long term, there of course, we've talked about emerging new sectors uh, in this region. In the long term, they're going to want to focus on uh, new sectors such as um, the um, military production industry that the um, Saudi government would like to develop. And this company doesn't have much experience in that, but they know that's where there is going to be more opportunity in the future. So they've started to um, actually target that sector um, more uh, aggressively to build expertise uh, by the time that they are going to be um, see more and more opportunities come up in the next three to five years. So they've actually started to work on a project that is going to be constructing a site to store F-15 aircraft, for example. So uh, really trying to build expertise to remain competitive uh, in the near future. Oh, that's a good one. And uh, maybe we do one more. So we're starting to bump up against time, but I think this is fascinating. Uh, obviously, uh, a, huge, uh, a huge area of focus for our clients, especially in a slowing growth environment, is going to be making adjustments to your sales structure and your sales strategy. And you do a, a really uh, interesting case study in the research about an industrials company that's made a, a pretty big shift in their sales force structure. Could you give kind of quick headlines around that? Of course, and I think it will be relevant for everyone. We've spoken to all of our clients who definitely want to increase the sales effectiveness of their team, um, especially facing some of the challenges of lower demand uh, and, and, uh, and hesitancy to purchase from all kinds of customers in, this, um, in these markets. And again, uh, this one was from uh, Saudi Arabia, 
Uh, we've spoken to an industrious company who has two business units in the, in the market, um, and they've had to find a way to encourage their sales team to go after new uh, opportunities. Um, they've uh, experienced and observed that their own sales team has been quite complacent and uh, looking to find just um, ongoing deals with their existing customers. Um, and what they've done is they've actually, in, for the one business unit that was a bit smaller, they couldn't uh, divide up the sales force. Everyone had to kind of remain on target um, of, um, and keep the same territory, but they've increased um, financial uh, bonuses for um, new um, sales, basically sales uh, to new customers, uh, even though the deal amount itself might be smaller. So they're trying to find financial incentives to um, uh, their sales team to actually encourage them to capture new um, demand. But uh, on the other hand, they had a larger business unit, which um, included a lot more uh, individuals in the sales force, where they'd actually split up the sales force. Some were only told to focus on finding new customers. This is a difficult task uh, right now in Saudi Arabia, so um, they're in having this, uh, their entire time focused on that was, uh, we've heard, very important in actually getting some of the key and but few uh, new opportunities that are springing up this year. Excellent. Um, so Zainab, I'm, I'm, I'm conscious of the time. I, I think we've barely scratched the surface of this, uh, of, the, of the analysis and the research, and, and specifically around these, these uh, strategic sets of recommendations across these eight, eight areas uh, of a company's strategy that they should be adjusting or functions that they should be adjusting. So I would encourage uh, all of our listeners to, um, to, to dive into this report. Um, in addition to going through each of those eight areas in detail, are there a number of tools in, uh, included in the report, including, as uh, Zainab had said, a, a very good uh, self-assessment diagnostic uh, that can be uh, quickly taken? Um, finally, uh, in the appendix of the report, there's a, a, a great uh, section on selling uh, to private uh, public, I'm sorry, public-private partnerships, which um, you know, is going to be part of that uh, privatization strategy uh, that we'll see in the future in the GCC. So all of these are really great uh, tools and practices and frameworks that can be, um, that can be uh, implemented uh, for uh, your specific use case. Zainab, thank you so much for this excellent and insightful discussion. Uh, and more importantly, uh, as a reminder, any FSG client can speak to Zainab or any member of the FSG EMEA research team at any time by scheduling uh, a request via your client relationship director. You can also access all of our research, Frontier Data, Leading Indicator Data, and all of FSG's content on the Frontier View platform using Frontier View dashboards. This concludes our podcast. Until next time, we wish you great outperformance in your emerging market portfolio. 